Welcome to Foundation Church's weekly message. We hope you are equipped by this message from Pastor Tom Lively. For more information about our church, please visit foundationchurchfl.com. Congratulations are in order to the United States. Oh, happy Father's Day, by the way, everybody. You're like, happy Father's Day. You're like, Tom, it seems like you forget about all these days. I do. I forget them all. I have no idea when I got up today, it was Father's Day. I had no idea until Heather sent me a text, happy Father's Day. Absolutely no idea. I don't know when it's Mother's Day. I don't know when it's the day before Thanksgiving. Nothing. Honestly, don't know. I have no clue. I don't pay any attention. I don't know it's my own birthday. Honestly, totally forget. It just doesn't matter all that much to me. But anyway, happy Father's Day to all of you guys. I, I appreciate you all. We have gifts for everybody, right? There we go. I would have modeled them for you, but they didn't fit. They didn't, I didn't have matching ones for my pants. So we got socks that are unbelievable. Make sure you get a pair before you go. But congratulations are in order to the United States of America because, and I mean this very facetiously and sarcastically, because we have become the first country, oh, COVID update, by the way, that's what this is. We have become the first country in the world. We are the only country on the planet that has licensed vaccines for kids under five. Only country on the planet. We are the only country that aborts babies after 17 weeks. The only other ones are like China and like three others. True. That's where we are. That's the evil that we have reached. That's the level that we, of evil that we have reached in our country right now. You need to understand that. And like, Tom, this is a downer. It's got nothing to do with being an up or a down, encouraging or discouraging. It means that here's the thing. I've been saying this over the last five weeks. You will either stand in the truth and, or abide in lies because you're afraid of the consequences of the truth. That's, that's, that will be from now until Jesus comes back, that will be the option of every believer on planet Earth. Will I stand in the truth or will I abide in lies because I'm afraid of the consequences of the truth? You will call that girl a guy and guy a girl. No, I won't. I will not do it. You will put that mask on your face. No, I won't. You will take that vaccination or you will not be able to participate in society. We'll turn society sideways and caboose it. You will make that decision. Masks do nothing. Vaccines do nothing but harm. Where do you get this information? Well, you know, it's nothing big. Where do I get the information from? Pfizer. They're, they're forced to release all their paperwork now. I don't know why anybody would take a vaccination from a company who tries to hide the very development of that vaccination for 75 years. I mean, that's just simple logic, is it not? Where you have to, the FDA for the first time in history goes and sues on behalf of an international company to keep the development of the vaccine confidential for 75 years and all the Christians, oh, you can't go get it in me. Why? Acts first, Leonidas study. Those of you who have watched the podcast or watched me over the last two years have heard me quote this study 500 times from the bastion of right-wing conservatism out of Stanford, California. 
post-infection survival rate for COVID was diagnosed right then and there. What was it? Zero to 19 years of age, post-infection survival rate, 99.997% for zero to 19. Well, that's because it gets really deadly after that, really. From 20 to 50, it's 99.98%. We still haven't reached the flu. It only reaches flu levels or maybe slightly worse than the flu was 70 and above. Which, by the way, 80 and above with comorbidities, the survival rate's still 95%. Get that mask on my face. Why? Why? Especially for a Christian. So where do you get this information? Well, let's look. We're just talking about kid vaccines today, and then I'll, I'll actually preach a message. This is for the three-shot Pfizer trial. They want to put three shots into every six-month-old to four-year-old when it comes to Moderna, when it comes to Pfizer, and six-month-old to five-year-olds when it comes to Moderna. That's what they want to do. Six-month-old. For what? 99 point. They, they are a six-month-old to four-year-old to five-year-old, seven to 20 times more likely to die of the flu. That's an absolute FDA, CDC fact. It's a fact. So why would they do all of this? And if you've been watching the podcast, you know that I've been caught on this train for a while. It's all an agenda to get control over you. Every single one of them, whether it's gun grabbers, you're like, Tom, this is awfully political. Is it political or is it freedom? Is it, if it is for freedom that Christ has set us free, then I believe that's Galatians 5.1. It's not politics, right? It's all the same strain. It's all the same strain. It's all the same demonic spirits. They're all linked together. Climate changers, LGBT activists, abortion activists, mask hoaxers, COVID Nazis. They're all the same strain of humanity. Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Most of the church is, 2 Corinthians 2.11. That's why they do, they're like, well, you know what? I, I hate the LGBT movement. It's really immoral. Then why did you take their vaccine? They're all the same movement. How, what do you mean they're trying to control you through the LGBTQ community? Well, it's very simple. I don't think that in Canada five years ago that they thought they'd be going to prison for using the wrong pronoun. They are now. I don't think they thought that in Great Britain either 10 years ago. They are now. You will say what we want you to say, or you will not be able to get your common pass, your green pass. We've isolated all the fuel. We've isolated all the food, and there's only one way to get it, and you will use our pronouns. You will take that vaccine. You will say there's a carbon emission problem. You will do it. It's all different venues to get you into a one world commerce system. That's not politics. That is the book of Revelation. That's what it's about. And you must stand. How is the church the restraining if they don't restrain? You can't be the restraining. You can't be a dam in a river and not be a dam. You have to stand. Will you stand in the truth or abide in lies because you're afraid of the consequences of the truth? My family will hate me. My church will stop coming. Whatever it may be, what will you do? 
It's very simple. Pfizer trial, three-shot trial. They want to inject our kids six months to four years of age. 4,526 participants were in the trial. Talk about offering your kids on the altar of Moloch. You might as well just go be an Aztec. Just move down to South America and become an Aztec and burn your kids in the fires. Just so you know, I want you, this may seem wonky to you, but you need to understand the lies that are being perpetrated on our culture. Many pastors would never put this on. I'm rolling the dice right now because I was banned off of YouTube for life for false vaccine information. Yeah, right. Everything I said has been true. Every last thing. So 4,526 kids were in this trial at six months to four years of age. Little tiny babies. The control group, and you need to understand the wonkiness, you need to understand the terms. The control group slash the placebo group were not from this cohort. What does that mean? So they had 4,500 kids in this study. The placebo group is who they inject with nothing. Saline solution. They don't know it. Everybody thinks they're getting the vaccine. Everybody with me? That's the placebo group. Where did they get the placebo group? Not from the kids. They got the placebo group, quote, 170 randomly select members of Pfizer's previous adult clinical trial for ages 16 to 25. So they were injecting kids with the vaccine and the placebo they were injecting into mainly adults and then saying that they were all part of the same study. These people are evil. It's on their own paperwork. It's not me. This is why they didn't want any of it released for 75 years. They only counted infections after the third dose. So they gave the three-shot trial, and they only counted infections after the third dose. Look at what happened. What did that mean? You're given a first dose, five, six, ten weeks later, second dose, five, six, ten weeks later, third dose. They only counted the infections, the COVID infections, after the third dose. So what they had in that group was, and by the way, that doesn't mean that they fully injected 4,500 kids. Most of these kids bowed out of the trial. The parents pulled them out of the trial. It's really, I love all of you, but it's really not worthy of applause. It's probably because there was adverse effects that weren't reported. Your kid breaks out in a body-wide rash. And plus, how is a kid going to report myocarditis to you? How's a seven-month-old going to tell you that they have myocarditis? You know, in California soon, when they'll be able to kill their kids at 27 days old after birth, that's the truth. The legislation is running right through uh, California right now. Jay Sekulow and ACLJ, ACLUJ, ACLL, something I can't remember now. I used to give money to them all the time. What is it? ACLJ. ACLJ, thank you guys. They are trying to, Jordan and Jay Sekulow are trying to stop it right now, send them money. We need to. These are, these are human lives. Well, this is politics. How's it politics? God so loved the world. How's that politics, John 3, 16, political Christian? So in this trial, there was actually 375 total COVID infections amongst both groups, placebo group and what they would call trial group, the people being injected. 365 occurred before the third dose but they only counted the infections after the third dose, so they can say they have a 90% effective rate. 
That's what they do. It's all a lie. Pfizer's own trials with adults. What's the efficacy of the vaccine from their own paperwork? 12% for one week, 1% after that. That's a fact. It's in their own paperwork. The only reason why you don't hear it is because you have a Democrat that's the president and the mainstream media is Democrat. If it was Trump, they'd be like, see, Trump didn't work, doesn't work, Trump. That's what it would be. It's all politics. And they're just using it for the globalist control that I'm telling you about. So only 10 infections occurred after the third dose. That's what it, that's, that's what, so that's what they went by. See, only 10 infections. No, there was 375. That's a fact. So the efficacy is based on only 3% of the infections, not 97% of them. Whoops. Actual numbers, infections. In the trial group, there was 200. So the people actually receiving the vaccine, 225 of them got COVID. Of those who didn't get, in, get the vaccine, 150 got COVID. Six-month-olds to two-year-olds, the kids who were, gosh, I can't, it just blows my mind that any parent would walk in with their eight-month-old child and inject them with an mRNA vaccination. Amazing to me. Six months to two years of age, this is their group. 98 in the trial group got COVID. 58 in the placebo group got COVID. Two years to five years of age, 127 in the trial group, the ones who received the vaccination, 127 got COVID, 92 got COVID, who weren't injected in the placebo group. So this actually shows what they call negative efficacy. What does that mean? That the vaccine causes the virus. What does it mean by it causes the virus? A myriad of things. First of all, you're injecting them with the virus to a certain degree. Actually not, it's an mRNA vaccination. You're injecting them with the S-spike protein of the virus. So it, there is mounting evidence that it's negative efficacy. So you have a higher chance of getting COVID if you get, if you get the vaccine, which by the way is playing out all over the globe. Counting all infections during the trial, the vax is 20% effective. Far below the FDA standard in 2020. Cases of severe COVID were mostly found in the injected group. That's the facts. That's what's happening. And what our government is doing is trying to inject kids with a vaccine that doesn't work and is harmful to them. Simple as that. That's the facts. And the only question will be, will you stand? Will you, you're here, you're crazy enough to be in this church. So far, only one couple has got up and left, if you noticed. As soon as you get, you know what? Because they're probably injected with the vaccine. They don't want to know the truth. They'd rather live in ignorance. The problem is knowing the truth is what sets you free. People are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Hosea 4, 6, John 8, 32. On to the message, Philippians 3, 10 and 11. Now in, this, in these days now, the times are accelerated. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God? 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. What manner of persons ought we to be? See, things are accelerated for both the good and the bad in these times of sorrows, in these beginnings of sorrows. 
Both the good and the bad are accelerated. So if you're like me and you've wasted decades of your life, anybody else but me, and you've wasted decades of your life, God will accelerate this season and restore to you that which you lost seven, ten times faster than how you lost it. If you will do your part, you're not going to just be able to stand there and do nothing. Oh, this is, you know, this sounds like a workspace message. Yep. Yes, it is. I want to know Christ. Philippians chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. Most Christians believe that this is a dormant faith. Peace on earth, goodwill to men. That's not a Bible verse. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Matthew 10, 34 through 36. That's a Bible verse. Not a Christmas carol. A Bible verse. Bible is far different in the true faith of Jesus Christ. We don't live in the, we don't live by faith in Jesus Christ, we actually live by his own faith. Galatians 2.20. This is not a placid faith. Was Jesus placid? Was he dormant? I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I live by the faith of the Son of God, the man who made a whip of cords and drove them all out of the temple who called people whitewashed tombs, who called people uh, Satan and his own trusted, one of his most trusted disciples called him Satan, called the religious elite of the day sons of hell. This is not a placid faith. This is not a faith where you are supposed to speak and you do not. Amen over here and right from Pete. Pete is very faithful. A lot of you are afraid to amen it because you have been brainwashed. You've been brainwashed into thinking this is a dormant faith. It is not. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. This is not a dormant faith. Christians are supposed to be on the front line modeling behavior, saying the things that need to be said, doing the things that need to be done, standing in the midst of things to stop them from ever happening. That's what's supposed to be happening. Philippians 3, 10, and 11. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. Most Christians ever pray that? Most Christians never pray, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief either. That's why we have to have gimmicks. And people standing on the road saying, you're welcome here, waving flags, raffles and giveaways. Because there's no power in the church. Because nobody prays things like this, like Paul is praying here in Philippians 3, 10 and 11. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. See, in the church, there's no ambition. 
We, we, we honestly, how many of you know that God has ordered steps for you? Oh, we are a minute, but where's the step? Why are you the same Christian you were a week ago? I'm not. You're like, boy, you think a lot of yourself. Well, you think whatever you want to think. I take, I'm taking action. How's a police officer stand, end up in this building? People called me crazy the whole time. Oh, that guy? Oh, come on. I knew him when he was this, and I knew him when he was that. I don't care what you think. I'll say that to your face. Look at me. Look at me in the eye. I don't care what you think. Some of you, you are held back by humanity. You, can't, you cannot serve God and mammon. Matthew 6, 24. You can't be a bondservant of Christ and a man pleaser, Galatians 1.10. You're held back. Some of you women, you won't come to church unless your husband does. Some of you men, you won't go to church unless your wife does. Why don't you just build an idol to him and worship him then? Oh, I, don't, I really want my family saved. You don't do nothing about it. You don't do anything. You don't pray. You don't fast and you don't model it. You're like, man, what kind of church is this? The one that you need to be at. Yes, you walked into a hailstorm. You did. You walked into a hailstorm, but this is exactly what you need to hear to shake you loose from religion. See, we think religion is stained glass windows and bells, and it is, but there's a new form of religion now. It's called a watered down gospel. Well, they have, the, they have the same website that we have. They sing the same, same songs that we have, but they do not sow the word of God because there's consequences to standing in the truth. Soon as I started standing in the truth, young couple right over here, whoop. That's the greatest tragedy for most pastors. It's not for me because I abide in the word. Many of his disciples went back and walked with them no more. I expect it. You gotta eat my flesh. You gotta drink my blood. This is a hard teaching. Who can withstand it? They, bye-bye. Many of his disciples went back and walked with them no more. John 6, 53 through 67. If you don't have people walking out of your services, you're not preaching the gospel. Well, there's a lot of Christians that should walk out and let, just go ahead and walk out. A lot of Christians should just simply say out loud, I don't believe the Bible. I don't believe it. No, you know, we're, we're a loving people, so we masked up, shut down our churches. Can't wait to mask up again for the climate lockdowns, which are beginning right now in France. Locking them down, lockdowns, canceling events because it's too hot. You're an adult. If it's too hot, go in the shade. <laughs> this is what my football coach told me. He said, you know what, never worry about it, Tom. And I used to share this, Travis will remember it. I imparted this wisdom that I got from Coach Lounsbury at UCF and then I imparted it to the football players at Lemon Bay High School. Don't worry, if you pass out, I'll drag you over to the shade and sprinkle water on your forehead. My coach in college used to tell me, don't worry, you pass out before you die. <laughs> Thank you, coach. Good to know. 
See, the world offers ambition. The church offers being sedentary. No wonder nobody wants your faith. Why aren't my kids saved? Because they couldn't be more bored. You can't be afraid to preach everything that's in the gospel. You tan your kids hide, man, you're training them in the Lord. He who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. That's just a Bible verse, Proverbs 13, 24. Well, we don't believe in that in our house. Okay, just say it out loud. We as a family, we had a family meeting and uh, we don't believe in the Bible. I love the Christians who have family meetings. They have have family meetings and go against the Holy Spirit. Why don't you try having a meeting with God? Why don't you try praying and fasting instead of having a family meeting and deciding, well, you know what, we think the church is going this direction, so we've had a family meeting and we've decided to move on. (laughs) Oh, really? Move on from what? God told you to attend the church 200 days ago and now he's changed his mind? You know what's so funny? Is that people will accuse me. They'll say, you know what? We're afraid the church may be becoming too much like the River Church in Tampa. Where? How? How? Explain. Do I preach like Pastor Rodney? People say, well, we're, you know, we're afraid that it's becoming too much like Jonathan Shuttlesworth. Why do I mention those two men? Are they the only two that I watch preach? Yeah. I'm not watching COVID cavers. I'm not watching little spineless bent over worms. I'm not doing it. They can go get their, they can go put their skinny jeans on, get their strategic tears in place, cram themselves into their skinny jeans and walk onto their stages with their medallions. They can do all that sucking on their cafe lattes. I don't really care. Do I sound like Jonathan? Not unless I'm jumping up and down and saying, you know, your best days are ahead now. Do I do that? No. (laughs) Jonathan's the best peer preacher I've ever seen. Pastor Rodney is the Tom Brady of pastors to me. And then Jonathan Shuttlesworth is the Aaron Rodgers, like the best pure passer. The best pure preacher I've ever watched is Jonathan Shuttlesworth. He'll be here in November, by the way. But I'm not trying to become like, I'm afraid they're, how, how am I remote, remotely like the river? How? Pastor Rodney is way different than me. I'm way different. In some areas, I'm meaner. In some areas, I'm nicer. In my opinion. That's how I see it. And that's my reality. That's right out of the book of Matthew, chapter six, verses 22 and 23. It's all about perception. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? It's all about perception. 
You'll say, well, you know, we're having a family meeting and we're moving on. From what? Did that happen recently? Yeah. I'm like, what are you talking about? How? You're going to pass the rod to me. I'll just shut up for the next two minutes and stand here like this. What's so funny is, is that when it doesn't go that way, does the person repent? No, because now they go right back to what I've told you. Will you stand in the truth or abide in lies because you're afraid of the consequences of the truth? You'll look bad as the consequences of the truth. It's like I told you last week where the woman accused me because I brought in a, pro, a, a guest speaker. Oh, this is the route that they're going. We never went that route. She lived right next to the church. She knows we never did. She ever come back? No, because now her pride goes before her own destruction. Amen. Church is a big deal. I don't know what I'm preaching now, but church is a big deal. I'm going to tell you all of that. You need to think twice about moving. You need to think twice about taking jobs that pull you out of church. And I'm talking about the church that God has called you to. Think about it. It's a big deal. Your kids' lives are at stake. Church is huge. We think of it as options, but it's not. It's the restraining, and it is the body of Christ. We think of the church as, oh, that pastor or those Christians. It's not that way. You need to think of the church as the house of the Holy Ghost. What I don't mean the building. I mean each and every one of us. Amen. Oh, there's Christians that have failed. Who are you? Pot. To call the kettle black. Who are you? Some of the biggest failures in the world that I've ever seen in Christianity are the ones who call out everybody else's failures. Turn that microscope back on you. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye, Matthew 7, 5. Philippians 3.12, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect. That's for some of you in the room. But I follow after, if that I may apprehend, that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. When you're talking about attaining things, it's not a dormant faith. There are things that you are supposed to be attaining. I'm just waiting for heaven. We'll get to that in just a second. Philippians 3, 13 and 14, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if, and if, and if in anything you disagree, God will also make that plain to you. Philippians 3.15. If there are things to press toward, then why are we the same as we were a year ago? Why are we worse? See, it comes down to vertical and horizontal. Look at me now. Vertical and horizontal. Vertical can go bad because you can go south. 
Most Christians, though, operate in the horizontal. Well, we left this church. You think you grew? You think you grew because you left the church? I'm not saying there isn't times to leave churches. I've left churches. Hey, great job coming back, by the way. I love you guys walking back in. <laughs> they don't know I'm talking about it. I love you guys. Glad you came back in. I thought you left. I was in here, I was in here bad-mouthing you. I thought you left. <laughs> Nothing personal. I'm just using it as an example. But I'm glad you came back. I love you guys. Seriously. They might see it on the video anyway. I'm like, I hate that guy. I just want you to know I love you. Glad you came back. Seriously. I'm just used to people leaving for forever. <laughs> I remember counseling a couple one time. I haven't told this story recently. Back in the old church, I mean, back way back before we changed the stage and all that stuff, I remember they used to sit a couple... The stage was about this high, so we were really close to one another, but the couple would, it wasn't a couple, it was an entire family. It was a son, no, it was a uh, father, uh, uh, mother, father, and daughter. And they're like, they, I mean, literally every Sunday in the front row, never missed for years. And then so, look, Facebook came around, Facebook became big, shows you how old this story is. Facebook became big, and she put out, you know what, that her boyfriend had moved in with her. Into, their, into her family's home. So you got mo Christian mother, Christian father, daughter, and then daughter moves in, her boyfriend, and now they're fornicating every day of their life. So there you go, and hellbound. That's the Bible, by the way. Everybody else won't preach that to you? I will. So a couple months later, now what do I, do I walk up to them? Hey there, fornicators. <laughs> no. Everybody thinks I do, but I don't. Hey, I want to have a meeting with you guys. Uh, you know, one word, hell bound. <laughs> meeting concluded. <laughs> Nothing. Didn't do a thing. I wasn't on Facebook. I didn't get on Facebook till, I don't know, 2016-ish, somewhere in there. 2015, somewhere along those lines. I wasn't, in, I wasn't on Facebook for 10 years after it became big, nothing. So I didn't pay any attention. That's their business. He can't, and the boyfriend came to church. Nobody asked my opinion. Unless it becomes the 1 Corinthians 5.13 thing where people are parading around their infidelities and immorality, then that's their business. But then they made the most grievous mistake you could possibly make. <laughs> they asked me if I would marry them. Don't ever ask me. Just go to the clerk of the court. Don't come to me, because what we're gonna do is open the Bible. It's not haughty, it's what God has called me to do. Woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. I will preach the gospel. You brought me in, watch out. Two families left this church over a divorce because they brought me in. Mother and father brought me in to give counsel to their daughter and son-in-law, all of which were attending the church because daughter and son-in-law were about to get a divorce. So what did I do? I broke out the Bible, Matthew chapter five, Matthew chapter 19. You don't get a divorce unless there's actual adultery going on. 
See how quiet it gets when you preach the gospel? Well, you were thinking, oh, I'm, I was wanting to leave today. No. No. No, but you know what? You're in love. Whether you want to be or not. Get back in love. Now. Period. So they brought me in. I didn't forget about the first cup, first group either. They brought me in. I opened up the Bible, read that to them. They all said they disagreed. Fine. And they all left. Remember, that's what I mean. I'm used to, well, I'll never see you again. And the first family, so they brought me in. They said, you know what? We want you to marry our, our kids. They sat across the table from me. It was mother. The dad wasn't there. He was the only smart one. It was mother, daughter, future son-in-law. And by the way, just for the record, he was a giant glistening turd of a human being. Fresh from the cow. If it was up north, it'd be steaming. But I didn't say any of that. So they said, will you, will you marry our son, our daughter, and, and whatever his name was. And I said, and so I turned to the daughter, and I said, you guys are sleeping together, right? You're like, see, all, everyone's amazed. They're like, that's what you would say? What would you have me say? <laughs> oh, well, sure, I'll marry you. Hello, welcome to, welcome to Foundation Church today. It's good to see everybody. Jesus loves you, and I love you, and let's pack it up and go home. God bless you all. I said, so you guys are sleeping together, right? And she goes, and she was like hesitant, and I've interrogated, I mean interviewed, I mean spoken to lots of people in my life. I said, so you're sleeping together, right? And she was like bobbing her head up and down, looking, not looking me in the eye. So I asked her again, so you're sleeping together, right? She said, well, 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 yeah. I said, well, you're living in hell-bound sin. And I turned to the guy and I said, and you are too. And then I turned to the mother and I said, and you have heaped a curse upon your own home. The curse of the Lord is in the house of the wicked, but he blesseth the habitation of the just. Proverbs 3.33. You as a Christian woman have allowed your daughter to usher in a boy into her house and fornicate with her right next to your own bedroom over my dead, multiple penetrated with rounds of ammunition corpse before that would ever happen in my home. I never saw them again. <laughs> Who are they mad at, me or Jesus? It isn't me. First Corinthians 6, 9 says it. Fornicators will not inherit the kingdom of heaven, nor will homosexuals, sodomites, liars, thieves, drunkards, 
That may bother you. Oh, I just believe in the grace of God and you're not supposed to be sin conscious, but grace conscious. That will send you straight to hell. That's not a Bible verse. It's not a Bible verse. I go with what the word of God says. Since I'm a follower of Jesus and Jesus is the word, I ought to be following the word. Lots of Christians, though, they think that, you know what, the goal is heaven, and they think heaven is eternal life. Don't answer out loud. Is that what you think right now, that heaven is eternal life? If you think that it is, you don't read the Bible because you're not even going to be in heaven for forever. You're coming right back here. Whoops. Yeah, you'll have a new body, but is that eternal life? I wouldn't answer out loud either. You'd be answering wrong, probably. It's not eternal life, John 17, three. What that does is it actually teaches Christians to do nothing. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. Uh, I believe Philippians 4, four says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Not once we get to heaven. So Christians actually go ahead and stake their claim with hell on earth. And I'm gonna hang on till I get there. No, you're supposed to go from mountaintop to mountaintop. Victory after victory. There will be brief, uh, brief periods of time of walking through the valley of the shadow of death. But overall, it's victory after victory after victory. Right here on planet Earth. 120 years. Deuteronomy 34, 7. Moses was 120 years old when he died. Yet his eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone. That's the will of the Lord. And that's under an inferior covenant. You're welcome. Now this is eternal life, John 17, 3. That they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Eternal, eternal life is knowing Jesus. Not waiting for heaven. Find that verse anywhere. You just sit there and do nothing and wait for heaven. Tom, you're talking about, should I be dedicating my whole life to this? I mean, I'm busy. I got wife, I got kids, I got a job. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Matthew 6, 33. Make your Christianity the Bible and watch your life turn upside down. Some of you won't like the process because you're a type A wonderland. You're caboose retentive. You want to control. It's not an option. You're, a living, you're supposed to be a living sacrifice. You just lay your life down. And I won't get to it necessarily today, and I want to tell you something. You can't force anything. I'm going to skip. I want to show you this. Where is it? I knew God wanted me to preach this part, so I'm going to go to it. You're like, how, much, how many notes do you have? Tons. <laughs> Tons. The podcast last night, I gave Will and Aaron 75 slides. I got you th through 23. <laughs> John 3, 8. The wind blows where it wishes. And you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. You cannot force it. And you can't not force it to force it. It's like, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. It doesn't say, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, so all these things will be added unto you. 
It comes for it to a complete yielding. A lot of you, you try to force things. This is the perfect church for you because if you try to force things here, you will run into a brick wall. You will be reproved. I don't care if you're the greatest singer on the planet. You try to force your way onto this stage, brick wall. For your good. I'm not going to enable you to remain in the condition that you are. Where you have forced things over and over and over again in your life. And if you've noticed, you're living in the horizontal. You're never gaining ground in the spirit. You're great gaining ground in your own mind. Well, we've moved, we changed churches. That's not gaining ground spiritually. Where's the dead being raised? Where's the blind being given sight? Where are the lost that you're saving? You're moving around. There's a lot of movement and it appears new to you. There's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death, Proverbs 14, 12. Moving all around. But are you moving horizontally or horizontally or, or vertically? Horizontally, that's not a word. Horizontally? <laughs> horizontally or vertically? Which one is it? You ought to know. Because there will be evidence. There will be evidence of the vertical. Like, what am I walking into? This is, listen, these signs will follow those who believe. Tom, you must be pretty discouraged in your life because those signs don't follow you as much as they should. You're right, but I'm not discouraged. I'm perplexed, but not in despair. We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 and 4, and 4, 9. I'm trying to attain but do you understand something? When you try to force things, this happens all the time in church culture. I love to speak to church culture because oftentimes it is the chains that are wrapped around your neck. Some of you have, some of you, this isn't for you, so just discard it. Some of you are just broken vessels. You know what? You're the sweetest people in the world and you will do what you're asked to do. And there's a lot of those in this building. This is not for you. This is for people who try to force things. Well, we're going to, you know what? I can't find a good church. We're just going to start ourselves a home church. All right. Good luck with that in America. What, what, what will people think when you start a home church? Wacko. But you're going to force it. You can't force it. There's no point in me even coming up here if the Holy Ghost is not my backing. What's the point? Now, for some people would have a point because they want glory and fame and they want the adulation of human beings and they want lots of human attention. Since I'm pretty much a solitary man, I don't crave human attention. So it's not my, what, now I have other faults and failings, but I'm not walking up here without the power of the Holy Ghost. But he goes where he wants to go. So what does that make me? A leaf. You can't force it. Well, you know, we're just gonna we're just gonna work our way into that church, and we're you know, next thing we know, we're gonna be this and we're gonna be that. At a carnal church, maybe. Holy Spirit will shut you down here. That's why you don't see. I mean, do you really think the woman was gonna stay up here screaming? No. 
And, but a lot of you are like, well, that's her. It's not me. It's actually you too. It's what you try to do. The church tells you not to do stuff. You do it anyway. Well, we'd rather ask for, you know, we'd rather ask for forgiveness later than permission now. You're an idiot. You are. You're ruining your own life, trying to bulldoze your way around. You need to just yield to the Holy Ghost and he'll just open the doors for you. But not so that he opens the doors. You just, oh, you just yield yourself to the Holy Spirit because you love him. Wherever you want me to go, I'll go. I mean, you all have heard the story at nauseum. I never intended to meet Rodney Howard Brown. I went, I went where I was supposed to go. I didn't know. At that time, the church was ever shrinking. We started off with a monstrous amount of people at 170 or 175 people and rapidly shrinking because of the plague and because of my attitude about it. So stop trying to force things in your life. Look at these things. Galatians chapter five, verse 26. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. What does this church do? And what does that church do? Have you, have you seen their worship leader? Last night I was prepping for the podcast, prepping for the message. I don't know which one. It's just all day at my desk. And a video came on my iPad and it was about a pastor who went up and publicly confessed his sin and then was confronted by the person he sinned with. Okay, you shouldn't even watch that for those of you who did. Oh yeah, I saw it. You shouldn't watch it. Because all it is is comparing yourselves among yourselves and measuring yourselves by yourselves. What's the verse? Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. For we dare not class ourselves. You know, when the Bible uses the word dare, your eyes ought to perk up. We dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves. But they, measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, are not wise. Go on, have you, anybody else in here ever been a church stalker but me? Oh, you're all afraid to answer. You're not going to commune with me now because there's a lot of you out there that are offended now because I mean, you're not going to force your way into things. Well, yeah, you're already blown up. You're, it's why you're, that's why you live like here. That's why you live here. Like this. All you are is a 48-year-old, 50-year-old, 60-year-old, 70-year-old pouty pants. That's all you are. Oh, great. That's, that's real spiritual. God's just going to swing the doors wide open for you. But we should, ne we should never even be a part of those things. Don't be offended. Be corrected. And change. Is it working? Where are the dead raised? Where are the lost people? Oh, well, no, we, we got a position on the board of the church. Who cares? We have influence with the pastor. Who cares? Where's the Holy Ghost? Where's the miracles? Where's the salvations? We're, we're highly acclaimed inside the church. Who cares? People come to us when they need stuff. Who cares? God doesn't. 1 Peter 5, 6 through 8. Therefore, humble yourselves. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. 
Will you do that? I, I'll tell you what, I think the church was way emptier the week after I preached this when I told everybody to shut up during Bible studies. <laughs> Are you that one? And when you start speaking at the Bible study, everybody's behind your back going. <laughs> Suddenly they got their phones out. Oh. Oh gosh, there she goes again. She's gonna tell us her life story. You're sitting there, you're talking about the end times and you start talking about depression. Talking about victory and you start talking about bipolar. Off subject so that you just have an opportunity. Here's my opportunity because Christians are nicer than the world that I can come here and vomit all over them. And why am I telling you this? To tear you down or build you up? I want you free. Where's the fruit that that has ever worked? See, weird people think that eventually their weirdness is gonna break them through. Your weirdness is what has held you back your entire life. You coming up to a pastor on the first day you've ever attended the church, um, can I give you some constructive criticism? <laughs> is what has held you back your entire life. Bulldozing your way around because people are intimidated by you is what's held you in the horizontal your entire life. Your steps are ordered, but they're vertical and you're walking in the horizontal, thinking the whole time that you're growing and getting stronger in the faith. You're not, you're getting weaker. Will you lay down your fetters? They're holding you back. You know, I like to pick on the band because I've been a part of a couple bands. It's the most fragile people. <laughs> That's Italian. <laughs> Christmas in July is coming up. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. Look into it when you get home. Christmas story, look it up when you get home. But a lot of people who want to be worship leaders envy their way right out of ever being what God's called them to be. Envy and gossip their way right out of it. Gossip, by the way, you live in, you live in gossip, you're gonna die and go straight to hell for it. You didn't fornicate, you weren't a liar, but you ripped the worship leader behind his back. Well, I just wanted you to, you know, hey, brother, come on over here. I want to tell you all about Aaron, just so we can pray. <laughs> Let's use Aaron right now. I usually use myself, but that gets boring. <laughs> they envy their, their, their way right out of it. Why don't I get this? And, and why don't I have this opportunity? Because you talk like that. And you can't change it so that you get the opportunity. You used to lay your life down. You, do, you try to change? The Christians do that. They try to change so they provoke God into doing things for them. He'll purposely not do anything for you. Therefore, humble yourselves, we're in 1 Peter 5, 6 through 8, under the mighty hand of God, that, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. What's the next verse, though? 
Amen. Glory to God. What's the next verse? Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Why does he have that position and I don't? There's the devil. There he is. Are you going to recognize it? Well, you got to compete. We're going we're gonna to compete here in Northport. Reminds me of Jonathan, that service member. <laughs> it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Pastor Rodney was trying to stoke the crowd. And Jonathan's in the front row and just started going. I'm like, brass, giant brass. Okay, like not me. <laughs> what was I talking about? Where was that? Do you remember? Where was that? Oh, yeah, no, yeah. I remember that, but now I can't remember where I was. Huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you got to compete with other churches. Thank you, Norm. I love you. Seriously. And now there's no competition. First of all, there's nobody as good as me. But second of all, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm not really kidding, but I'm kidding. I'm saying kidding for the sake of Is that how I think? Yeah. You have to think that way. You have to think there's nobody that's better than me at what God has called me to do. You have to think that way. So, but there's no, I'm not competing. First of all, how many people are sitting in church right now in the city of Northport? Or, you know, for me, I think of us as a South Sarasota County church. So we have Venice, Northport, Inglewood, Port Charlotte, Northern Charlotte County. How many people are sitting in church right now? Hardly any, hardly any. Hardly any. So what's the competition? We're going to compete over each other's churches. I'm going to steal yours and, and you're going to steal mine. And God just sits there and grieves. So there's no competition. It's yielding yourselves and being used. And God's going to open these doors and the doors that he opens for you are not going to be the ones you want, by the way. I want the pulpit. You can forget ever getting it. <laughs> Seriously. Well, I'll start my own church then. You can forget anybody ever attending. God will see to it himself. He's powerful. You ever wonder why some of these pastors, and I was talking to Aaron the other day. I'm not going to use his name. I did with Aaron, but I'm not going to with you because I'm not allowed to say preacher's names publicly for now. But I remember listening to this, and this guy's become a notorious vaccine pimp and whore. But I watched him one time. He turned my life around at Promise Keepers in the early 90s. And to this day, he carries a mighty anointing upon him. God's gifts in his car are irrevocable. Irrevocable. You ever heard, have you ever heard a secular singer who's anointed? It happens. They're, they're gifted. It is what it is. You can't do anything. That's how the wind is blown. You're not going to get that upon you. You have what God has given you, period. You're not going to force anything. You just yield and you go, Lord. But the thing is, yielding is prayer, Bible study, worship, fellowship. Stop being bipolar. Stop being dramatic. Stop staying in bed on Sunday morning because you don't feel like it. It's over for you if you do that. I'm the only one that's going to tell you that. 
Everybody else is gonna bootlick you and butt kiss you so you stay in the church. My goal is to not keep you in the church. If that's God's design for you is to work inside of this church, great. My goal for you is for you to reach high calling. Whether I lose you or not, it may, be, may, it may mean that you move further away, may move, uh, may, okay, I can't get these words out of my mouth, but it may mean that you move away. You may move to a foreign country. You may start your own church because that's what God has called you to do. A good pastor rejoices in that. And not, you know, none of this is gonna happen outside of the church. Are you aware of that? You can run your whole life. and about Every time you leave a church, you start over again. You just wasted a decade. And you're, think of it this way. If you left this church, if you're supposed to attend this church and you leave it and you're attending first whatever of Northport, you're sitting there wasting your life out of the will of God. I didn't say you're going to hell, but you're wasting your life on earth and you only have one time on this rock. God has called you here, but it makes you uncomfortable so you go to a church where you're comfortable. That's, not, that's never gonna be God. God who said to, Paul, said to Paul, Jesus who said to Paul, why do you kick against the pricks? You think he's here to make you comfortable? He's here to prod you along. Amen. 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 Oh man, how did it get to be 1158? <laughs> I never get it. Acts chapter one, verse eight. Most of us know this verse, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Acts chapter four though. Acts chapter four, 29 through 31. Now, Lord, look on their threats. Why is the church not threatened today? Why is it that Pastor Rodney got arrested and nobody else? Because you are, they are no, we're not a threat to them. We are right here in this church, for sure. Believe me, if you've read the things that I've read, we are certainly a threat to the world. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal. Now, look what it says. That with all boldness they may speak your word. Will you abide in lies or stand in the truth? If you abide in lies, you avoid the consequences of standing in the truth. And grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. How do we get there? See, people want to love. I want to love people. You want to love? Be filled with the Holy Ghost. You want to love? Speak the word of God. You want to love? Perform miracles. That's love. But does this sound like the modern church? Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. 
What do you say to a mask? What do you say to a lockdown? Well, you have to use wisdom. That's not speaking his word. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your service that with all boldness they may speak your word. You speak the word to every single situation. Well, I'm 74 years old. I'm old. That's not the Bible. Like I told you earlier, Deuteronomy 34, 7. Moses was 120 years old when he died. Yet his eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone. Correlating right back to Genesis 6, 3. My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh. Yet his days shall be 120 years. Why is it you see nobody breaking 120? I remember some yahoo called me on the phone. Oh, I believe that's a spiritual concept of... What are you talking about? I had some idiot. <laughs> Actually, I had somebody sending me a text that he was arguing back and forth with an idiot. Well, I believe the mark is a spiritual thing. The mark of the beast is a spiritual thing. That'll be, it's people's level of commitment towards God. What are you doing? Have you ever, do you ever read Add thou not to his words, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. Proverbs 30, verse 6. You ever, ever read, you ever, ever decide maybe you might want to open the Bible before you start adding to it? It's a spiritual kind. Why is he saying that? Why would he say that? Because he's a COVID caver. He's trying to defend the moves that he's already made. He sees that what he's done has caused the proliferation of vaccine passports around the globe. So now, when you actually got, when you're actually facing that precursor to the mark of the beast, the skid greaser for the mark of the beast where you can't buy, sell, trade, or travel in Australia, European Union, Israel, Canada without your QR-coded mark of the beast, and you're a pastor who has endorsed everything that's led up to that. So now you gotta add to the word because the word confronts you the word is confronting you that he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave to receive a mark on their right hand or on their forehead, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark of the name of the beast or the number of his name. And here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast. That's not what he's doing. Calculate means understand. Understand what's going on. Understand it. Don't try to explain it away. Oh, it's a spiritual thing. How could it be spiritual when body parts are denoted on their right hand or on their forehead. How is it spiritual, numb nuts? What are you, why are you preaching that? Because you're excusing yourself. The next level, which by the way is the title of this message series, next level. Starts with brokenness. It's 12.04, I'll head to the end right here. I don't know how long that'll be. <laughs> but I'm gonna head towards the end right here. At least so you know, it's on the horizon. Some of your faces, you cannot wait to leave. I'll see you in the next life. <laughs> I'll see you on the other side. 
The next level starts with brokenness. Not the world's brokenness. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. 2 Corinthians 7.10. I'm not talking about worldly, but I'm so broken. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about humility. How many of you will come to the altar of God today, just like I have, and say, you know what? I know nothing. Instead of trying to defend yourself. When will it stop? You defending yourself is a chain that's been wrapped around your neck for decades. It's such a threat. It all comes down to what, I just told, what I've been saying to you that I've said to you five times. Will you stand in the truth and, or abide in lies because the consequences to the truth are just too much for you to handle? The truth is the very things that bring you comfort are the things that are holding you back. And God wants to shake them loose from you and set you free, set you loose. But it starts with brokenness. The next level starts with brokenness. The next level starts with introspection. Let's look at these verses heading towards the end. Psalm 34, 18. The Lord is nigh to them that are of a broken heart and save us such as be of a contrite spirit. So you have that. Matthew 7, 15. You're going to wonder how I'm correlating these verses. You'll see in a second. Matthew 7, 15 and 16. And this goes for you and me. Who's most people's false prophet? Right between your ears. Right between your ears, that gray matter right there. Right between your ears. That's most people's false prophet. God, the devil doesn't even need to send you a false prophet. He's already got one right between your ears. Telling you that you're okay when you're not. Telling you that you're right when you're wrong. Telling you you're wrong when you're right. Telling you that you're worthless when you're full of worth. Whatever it is, watch out for the false prophet between your ears. It's called gray matter. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. You shall know them how. No fruit means it's a false prophet. If what you're hearing about yourself is not leading to, to, a lot of, to a lot of fruit, to abundant to abundant life, to abundant production, abundant fruit production, you have a false prophet. What, is, what, is, what does abundant fruit production mean? Depends on what you're called to do. If you don't even know what you're called to do, then you've got a false prophet living in your life. Am I called to pastor? What mean... Think about it. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. Now he who descended is also the one who ascended far above the heavens, that he might fill all things. He gave some to be prophets. So he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. For the edifying of the body of Christ. For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. To a perfect man. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Ephesians 4, 8 through 13. So if you don't even know what you're called to do, Tom, we hear this from you all the time. Then why haven't you discovered it yet? God has a specific calling for you. What is it? 
Well, our calling is to move to Tennessee. That's not a calling. It's not a calling. Our calling is, you know, we want our kids to get into the University of Florida. That's not a calling. Our calling is, you know, we are really shooting to get a house in, in Sarasota. That's not a calling. We want our kids to be successful in sports. That's not a calling. Where are most Christians, though? Are they in that, are they in that pocket, or are they trying to find what God has called them to do in high calling? Vertical. High calling. Press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God, or are they lost in the minutia of life? Thinking the entire time that they're growing spiritually, and they're actually being sifted out of the body of Christ. It starts with brokenness. Is there a false prophet planted in my life? And is that false prophet right between my ears? You sound like a man with great experience in that area. Yes. I've told you this numerous times. I tell you again, I have wasted almost all of my salvation. I got saved when I was 18. I've wasted most of that time and I'm 53. But I'm not scared of the consequences of telling you the truth. It's the truth anyway. I've wasted, what did you waste time doing, Tom? Being concerned about me. That's it. I could give you specifics, but really that, you could summarize it with that. I've wasted time being concerned about me. Now the ones that fell among the thorns are those who when they have heard go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. Luke 8, 14, that's my verse. But also my verse is Psalm 84, 10. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. So God is redeeming my life, but will you, what caused him to redeem my life is brokenness. I'm not telling you to do what I have not done. I have been broken. Everything that, listen, when you sit there, and again, I tell you, right out of John chapter three, verse eight, the spirit blows like a wind and you do not know where he's gonna go. And if you're someone like me and you were years in, 16, 17, 18 years into ministry and accomplished really nothing, you want to start accomplishing something, then something has to change. A lot of us, we will not look ourselves, somebody, I can tell by the looks on your faces, I cannot wait to get out of here, McDonald's is open, I'm going. And you're just going to shift right back into your old life. You won't let this message change you. The parable of the sower is for every person at every level of Christianity. Now the parable is this. This is Luke 8, 11 through 15. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear, then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. Is that going to be you with high calling today? Tom's telling me things have to change. Is that going to be you? Those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear, but they have no root. In the time of testing, they fall away. Will that be you? 
Now the ones that fell among the thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. Luke 8, 14, that's mine. But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. But it starts with brokenness. Aaron, you guys can make your way up here. I'll close right here. So I'm going to give you that path. Introspection. Look at Luke chapter 19, verse 23. It says, why then did you, did you not put my money in the bank that at my coming I might have collected it with interest? That's the minimum. The minimum production that Jesus talks about in the parable of the sower. Minimum. So Jesus is looking for us to attain Here's the path. Closing with this. James chapter 4. See how quiet it is in here? This is supposed to be this quiet. What should be happening right now? It's like this. This is what should be happening. I cannot wait to change. Because great days are ahead if I do. Otherwise, I'm just going to stay in the doldrums. What's the doldrums? What does doldrum mean? A windless sea floating around. Tide blows me, takes me this way. Tide takes me that way. Why don't you put the sail up? Take a chance. I'll tell you this story. It's 12, 14. We'll be out of here by 4.30. Um, you've heard me tell this before if you've come to the church for a while, but it's been a while. I don't remember how old I was. Probably six, seven, eight. I'll put it more in the seven, eight category. And... I had not learned to swim in the deep end yet. I was one, as I've told you before, my dad had to jump in the pool twice to save me because I was fell into the deep end just like I had to do with my own son. It's a generational thing in the light, please. Um, I remember when I grew up in Norfolk, Virginia, in naval, Navy, my dad was a naval officer, so it was a basically urban naval, naval sprawl, just giant neighborhoods full of Navy personnel. And it was a big deal to go to the pool. In Florida, nobody cares. I got a pool in my backyard, nobody cares. But back then, it was a big deal to go to the pool. Of course, one of the reasons why it was a big deal to go to the pool for me is because they had soft serve ice cream there, but behind that. <laughs> so it was a big deal to go to the pool. And I would always wear those flugels, you know, those giant orange things, you know? So I could swim wherever I wanted. Well, I went to go jump off the diving board with my flugels on, and the lifeguard whistled me down. Because you can't be on the diving board with flugels. You're just not allowed to do it. Because you're jumping into the, you know, the deep end. Back then, there were real deep ends. They had the real high dives before everybody sued all that out of existence. Because your kid's a dumb idiot. But anyway, um, <laughs> just like to always make sure that I give proper explanation. But... So he whistled me down. I'm like, oh, man. And so I go over to my mother. I can't, you know, I can't go out there. She goes, why don't, you, why don't you just take them off? Just take them off. And I'm like, so I did. I took them off, got on the diving board, and just jumped into the deep end. Swam to the side. That's what you're called to do. But, will that first step? be something that you want to do? Maybe, maybe not. 
but you'll decide. Here's the path in closing today. James chapter four, verse eight. Actually, I'll start, I'm gonna do it in reverse order to a certain degree. James chapter four, verse 10. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. Here's the path. James four, eight, and nine. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Everybody knows that verse and everybody gets excited about draw near to God and he will draw near to you. But what's it really mean? It's found in James chapter four, verse nine. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. A lot of us are very happy in complacency. We're not asking ourselves about souls. We're not asking ourselves about healing. We're not asking ourselves about our own lost family members. We're very satisfied when we should be actually lamenting, mourning, and weeping. I'm not talking about being an emotional basket case. I'm talking about humbling yourself in the sight of the Lord. And he will end up lifting you up. What is your first step? Aaron, you can hit it. Stand with me. I want you to look at me in the eye right now. What is your first step? 12:17. Technically, we've been in church for two hours and 12 minutes because we start at 10.05. Like I've told you a bunch of times, my church in Orlando, right now the message would just be starting. When I'm asking you in closing, we're gonna close right here. Not gonna be anything after this, nothing. I'm asking you, everybody in this place, close your eyes, do whatever it takes for you to concentrate, lift up your hands to the Lord and say, Lord, what is my first step? Ask him right now, out loud, what is my first step? Say this to him, reveal it to me, Lord. Don't say it if you don't mean it. If you want to be a complacent Christian and stay exactly the same as when you walked in, don't pray any of this. Say, reveal it to me, Lord. Show me that first step today. He's going to do it. Tell him I ask in Jesus' name. Because you just did that, he's going to show you that first step. The only question will be when he shows it to you and it's illuminated. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. When he lights it up, what will you do? That's the only question because it's coming. God has not called you to attend that which you are. You are the body of Christ. You're not to attend it. You are to be it. And God has a high calling for you, equal to any man or any woman who has ever existed. You will receive the same crowns as any big name you could possibly think of as long as you, has, as long as you have fulfilled exactly what God has called you to fulfill. Thank you so much for joining us. We know that when there are this many people in person or watching online that there is a chance that some have not started a relationship with Christ. If that's you and you would like a relationship with Jesus that washes away the stain of sin, you will need to start by repenting of your sin, confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and asking him to be the Lord over your life. 
That means giving up control. If you have never prayed this or you have fallen away and want to return to the kingdom of life, repeat this prayer after me and mean it. Lord Jesus, I ask you right now to come into my life and be my Lord and be my Savior. I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins and I now turn from them and I give you my life from this day on in Jesus' mighty name, amen. If you said that prayer, you are saved. Thank you for listening to Foundation Church's weekly message. We hope that you have been encouraged and empowered. If you would like to partner with us, please visit foundationchurchfl.com and click on Give.